Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glickson with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, uh, it's deja vu all over again for ASU against the L.A. schools. Yeah, yeah that's true. I, yeah, yeah. Went in with went in with some momentum and, and come out with back-to-back losses. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's a... We talked about this a few weeks ago, months ago, maybe that you know that the final three was a tough stretch, and it was. Um, but you know, put yourself in a position where you probably needed to win more than one, and got the one, which was nice to get. But I don't know if it's enough. Yeah, I mean, the Arizona win was big. We were handled by UCLA. Not you know, we we looked good. Then there was, it, it appeared to be some. Tough fouls uh, and some, uh, I believe it was a technical followed by a flagrant, and then UCLA just kind of put their foot on the gas. Yeah, and, and it was yeah. Over. I mean they're they're an excellent team. They're they're you know if they win the Pac-12 tournament, I would think they'll be a one seed. They might be anyway. So you know, no, like I think it, you know, splitting the Arizona UCLA road games is is probably as good as you could have imagined realistically. Um, mm-hmm. but boy, you really needed that USC game. It felt like that was, that was the one that like, you know, of the three, that's the most winnable based on the opponent and, you know, close game, but not enough. Yeah. And so now we're staring down the barrel of Oregon state on Wednesday. No first day by again. No, no. Uh, uh you know, and that's a 100% must. I mean, you know, absolutely a must tonight. And then and then a, a USC rematch if we win that one. So, I guess, let, let's start here. We're a borderline tournament team, NIT team. We've got to 20 wins. We've got a couple nice victories sure. to, to point to. It, it's kind of a Bobby Hurley pre-COVID special. Isn't it? It, it, yeah. it is. It is, and that is not good enough. I, I I don't think. I mean, and that's kind of the thought process that that was going through my head this morning. Is you know, fifteen and three, six and one at one point is where we were, and we we finished the year going five and eight down the stretch, and and it wasn't a particularly brutal stretch. Like at the time, we were fifteen and three. We had. Two left with UCLA and one with Arizona. So those are your two best teams, okay, you know. But then the other ten were against either completely non-tournament teams or fellow bubble teams, and we went four and six in those ten. And that's just that's just not good enough. I mean, it you know, like, it, it was nice to have the high of last week and the win over Arizona, and you know, and, there, and you're right, there have been some good wins this year. Um, but man, you, you know, it's, it is too reminiscent of 2018 and 2019 when we entered the conference season, you know, one year we entered top five in the country, the other, we were top 20 in the country in the rankings and, and kind of sputtered through both conference seasons and, you know, had to get into the first four, uh, you know, basically on the strength of great non-conference seasons to even get there. Yeah. It's, um... It's interesting, right? Because we post COVID, the dip has been bad. Yeah. And so now I, it's like yeah. we're back to where we were before, which is a borderline tournament team. 
Yeah. And there's yeah. part of me that's like, well, is that adequate for this and season? And I, I think that's the million dollar question, you know, and, and this brings up the question of like, I mean, this is what I was thinking about in the middle of the night. Honestly, I woke up and, you know, I couldn't get back to sleep. And I'm thinking like, this is, and it wasn't because of ASU that I couldn't get back to sleep. I'll be honest. But, you know, as I'm laying there, you know, I think about sports and, and, uh, you know, and, and like, this is where you want someone who can make the tough decision and you can trust to make the right decision. And unfortunately, I don't think we have that someone in place. And that's what, you know, this is a, this is a difficult decision. Did Bobby Hurley do enough this year to give you faith that things are trending back up and, and we're good or not? And, and I don't know that there's an easy answer. Yeah. Well, and it's, I don't, uh, I don't feel, and maybe you disagree, uh, but I don't feel like we've had a big recruiting splash. No, we haven't. We haven't. And and, and admittedly, you know, now, like, college basketball roster construction feels like you get through the season and then you figure it out. Uh, You know, unless you're... Unless you're really recruiting at the highest level, the, the Dukes, Kentuckys, Kansas, those type programs, you know, you have your team for that season and then you remake the team with transfers and, uh, you know, so it, it's tough to say. And, and that's what makes it also tough is that you can't look at this roster and say like, well, all right, we improved by a good deal, which we did. You know, you're right. Last two years were rough. This year, 20 wins will we'll go to a postseason tournament, probably not the NCAA, but it's a step, but the question is like, can you count on taking another step next year? And when the roster is going to change over so much, you can't answer that. I mean, you can never answer it for sure, I suppose, but it's different if you felt like, well, okay, we've got eight returners back and, you know, three returning starters. I mean, we don't know that. Like we're going to lose a significant portion of this year's team because they're seniors. Mm-hmm. And other guys we could lose too. I mean, you never know with the transfer market. Yeah, there's nothing that says these guys will be back. No, no. I mean, you know, like you like Austin Nunez. He's had a, a nice freshman year. And, and 15 years ago when we were in college, you'd look at a, a guy like Austin Nunez and you'd say, all right, that guy's going to he's gonna get better next year, hopefully. And, and hopefully over the next three years, he's going to be a contributor. And like, you just don't know that now. I mean, if there's a better offer out there for him, whether it's playing time, NIL money, coach fit, whatever, he could go. And I don't have a problem with that. I don't don't hear this and think it's me, you know, changing my tune on, you know, player freedom. And uh, it's the way it is. But it's just it's that's the that's why this is a tough decision, because if you looked and said, all right, we have a roster that peaked and that peak isn't good enough. Okay. Or if you thought, well, we got a roster that's only going to get better next year. I don't know that I can say I'm, I'm firm on one side or the other on that. It's I, impossible he, to say. He did show that he can do things in the transfer portal in, in a way that we hadn't really seen. But, you know, between Collins, Washington, the Cambridges, mm-hmm, Daphne, mm-hmm. Muhammad, like the, these are guys who are all rotation guys. Yeah, you know? yeah, remade the team again from last year, you know, had had some good returners but lost 
you know, I remember at the end of last season, we looked and thought, okay, if we can get, you know, these, you know, seven or eight guys back, but we didn't, um, you know, we lost, we lost the one kid and I'm failing to remember his name. The kid was at BC. We lost Graham. Oh, but what, there was a guard who came from DC who then went to Georgetown. Jay Heath. Jay Heath. Yes. Perfect. Thank you. Um, I was going to, I knew it, I knew it started with an H like DJ Horn, but I couldn't remember his name. We lost him. We lost Jalen Graham. Uh, and, and we still had Boyachi, but he was a non-factor this year. So the, the team needed to be remade and then was, you know, in some respects and much more successful in the last two years. Like I really am like, I'm not sure which side I'm on. I don't have to make the decision obviously, but I, I don't know. I mean, at one, from one perspective, I look and he's been here eight years and we have only twice in those eight years finished in the top four of the Pac-12. And it hasn't, you know, at really at no point in his tenure has the Pac-12 been really good. And, and for most of it, it's been pretty mediocre or bad overall. Yeah. So finishing in the top third, I don't think is too much to ask. And, and we've only done that twice. And so uh, part of me says, that's not good enough. But, you know, like, it's not. And then part of me says, who's the guy who's going to be better? You know, last week we talked about Rick Pitino, Randy Bennett. Would they come here? I don't know that they would. And if they did, would they be successful? Uh, I mean, Randy Bennett's got a good formula at St. Mary's, but, you know, is that formula going to work in a, in a different conference? Uh, uh, maybe. I, I mean, I'm not sold that it will. Let's say that. It could. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um... It's also something that it would cost a fair bit of money to find out. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I almost think that the best solution for everybody might be Bobby Hurley takes another job. He doesn't have to get fired. He doesn't have to, you know, like we don't have to fire him. He doesn't have to do, you know, he's only got one year left on his contract right now. So, you know, a, a, very a, a firing really wouldn't benefit him financially. It's not yeah. like he's do a huge buyout or something. Um, so I, I almost feel like that may be best. And yet I'm also kind of like, man, if he wants to be here and he has given us some, some good moments, not enough, but some, maybe I don't want him to go because like, it's the devil, you know, versus the devil. You don't like, I don't want to get somebody who's worse. Well, and there's and he, certainly a possibility we get somebody who's worse. He has described a great desire to be here. He has, he has. And, and so that's part of my hesitancy is like, it feels like he's, he's, I mean, and it's amazing to think he's been here eight years. I don't know about you, but that's yeah. just like, it's one of those, I say that out loud and think, wow, time is moving fast. Um, you know, he was like, how long was Sendek the coach? Nine? Yeah. Nine years. So, I mean, it, it, it felt like Sendek was a lot longer tenured than Bobby Hurley. And it's one year different, which is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe that just speaks to, to you and I getting older and the years passing faster. I don't know. But, um, you know, it's just it's just um, I don't really know. Like, I, I, I just don't know. And I, I know you're supposed to in today's world, you're supposed to have a firm stand on everything. Um, and certainly in sports, you know, this guy stinks. This guy's great. I don't know. After eight years, I, I still don't know what I think. <laughs> I think he's probably better than average but i guess then the question is is better than average good enough is it as good as we can hope for i don't want to say that but 
Yeah. I mean, given given the climate with ASU basketball right now, is that as good as we can hope for? Yeah. I mean, it seems like, to me, the solution is to keep him. Because, Probably. Because what do you... Like, if you don't know, almost sort of the opposite of, like, relationship breaking up. If right, you don't know right. with a coach... You might as well keep him because it's cheaper to keep him, true, and you'll just true. find out next time. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, it's it's kind of like this is going on in the NFL right now with some of these, you know, quarterbacks, and are they going to, you know, sign a deal? And like, I sort of feel like with he's not a free agent necessarily, but you got to make a decision. I sort of feel like you know you do what what you know you put the equivalent of the franchise tag on him. Don't commit long term. If you could get him, you know, if you could just agree to like a two-year extension and and kind of kick the can down the road, I think that'd be best. I'm not sure that's practical, but I, I think that'd be best. Like, don't don't commit long-term, and then next year if things go really south, you're like, well, geez, we could have gotten rid of this guy last year. Now we're kind of stuck. But also probably don't push him out the door either. Yeah. I. I think you should just let him because the other thing is like you we talked about last week a little bit in college basketball the cupboard is sort of always bare yeah. like cuz it's a year to year even more than football it's just a year to year situation now uh, agreed that yeah. like it's yeah. not like oh well if you get rid of him, you're going to tank the momentum he built or vice versa if you keep him <laughs> you know that next year if it doesn't go well, oh, you're going to set the team back. Right, you know, you're right. not. Like, if it doesn't go well, the new guy comes in and just brings in, you know, a bunch of new transfers. Five <laughs> transfers. And it, yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, it is. Uh, that's one thing I was thinking this morning, uh, you know, was like the, the, the job of a college basketball coach from when we were in college, you know, 15 plus years ago to now feels like it's so different. I mean, it just the way you maybe not the job overall, but the roster construction so different. I mean, the years we were in college, you know, like, OK, you had your you know, you got your James Harden and you knew he wasn't going to be there four years because he was really good. And, and you had some guys transfer because they weren't playing. You know, you, you, you get a guy and they were stuck on the bench and it's like, OK, he's going to transfer. But you kind of knew like, all right, if we got this guy who's a solid player and he's a freshman or sophomore, he's going to be back next year because he doesn't want to go sit out a year. He, you know, he's our guy. He's going to, you know, and that just, that's totally not the case anymore. And, and so you're right, you know, year to year momentum feels like a, a fictional concept now in college basketball. I mean, when it's from the big programs, consistently, but they have different guys. That's what I was going to say. It's from the big programs to the bottom programs. Yeah. It's yeah. just a new, every season is truly a whole separate entity from the previous season now. It really does because you feel have that to way. recruit yeah. your own. You have to re-recruit your own players. I mean, we saw this in football with Dillingham. You yes. have to re-recruit yes. your own players to get them to not leave, and then you still have to try to pick guys off from other schools and recruit high school players. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think with football, you have a big enough roster that most of the time you're not. You know, I mean, like ours is ours is a really extreme case of the number of guys we're bringing in and going out. Most of the time, okay, maybe you, you know you lose eight to 10 transfers and you know, whatever, but you still have a lot of guys back. 
But in basketball, if you have a roster size of 12 to 15 and you lose, you know, five, seven guys and you have to bring in five, seven new guys, I mean, that's that's about half your roster. And it could be, you know, your entire rotation for all we know. I mean, senior day, I went to the Utah game and, you know, the, the five, you know, scholarship seniors are all guys who play roles. And I'm like, man, this team's going to look a lot different just with those five. And that's not even accounting for other guys who may, you know, use their extra year somewhere else or transfer because they have the one-time transfer pass or whatever. It's just, yeah. I mean, it just, you know, and then you've got the big programs that maybe have the stars and they're, they're one and done to the NBA. Even if they don't have great years, they're, they're a temporary stopover and then they're gone. So yeah, the whole sport just feels like it's, it truly is, you know, one year to the next there's, there's no continuity. Uh, I mean, you might see the same program names, but you don't see the same players much. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, where we are is we're ripe for the picking for schools that are a, a tier or two higher. For sure. So, I mean, that happened with Jalen Graham. Now, it hasn't worked out great. I don't, you know, like, first of all, Arkansas hasn't been nearly as good as they were supposed to be. And last I looked, and it's been a while since I looked, Jalen Graham was, was not a member of their regular rotation. I don't know if that's changed as the year's gone along, but it, it didn't work out great for him so far. Um, but, you know, that was a prime example of like, well, you know, he's he had a good year. He put himself on the radar, and, and, a, and a bigger, better place came calling, and he left. In the yeah. past, he would have been a, a key piece of this year's team. Yeah, true. So all of that is to say, I, I just, I don't know. Man, I really don't. I, I think the safe option is probably to keep him, but you've got to, you have to make some commitment to it. You can't just, I mean, I said kick the can down the road, you know, figuratively, but you really, you can't totally do that. You can't just bring him back on the same contract and have him going into his last year. That's not practical. Mm-hmm. So you've got to decide like, okay, we believe in you enough to keep you around for another, you know, two to three years, probably minimum, or get rid of him and, and, that all, again, comes back to who's even making these decisions. And and if it's Ray Anderson, I mean, gosh, do you trust him? His coaching hires have been, I mean, Bobby Hurley's probably the most successful of the, of the major sports, if you include baseball and women's basketball even. Yeah. I mean, Hurley's far and away the most successful. Bloomquist might be, but early returns haven't been great. Obviously, we don't know anything about Dillingham yet. But his other hires have not been good at all. Well, and he's doubled down too in a in in bad ways on the yeah. hires. Like, you know, he's defended things that he could have just not taken the question. You know, right, right, or not yeah, taken I mean, the bait. I guess uh, you know, you know, yeah. And, and I think, but I think you kind of you just made the Dillingham hire. You let him hire Hurley. He's on his second football coach, his second baseball coach. He, right. He's probably going to be on another women's basketball coach sooner than later. I mean, it seems that's certainly one that that uh, you know is is a uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't follow women's basketball very close, but boy, I mean, one in seventeen in the conference in your first year. Now, some of that could be on the previous coach who did a great job here. Turner Thorne did, but things had slipped. It seemed. I mean, they didn't make the tournament the previous two years. Um, obviously, things kind of got. In a, into probably not such a healthy fashion, but nonetheless, man, dead last in your first year in the conference by by wide margin is 
is tough. Um, so that's bad. Obviously, Tracy Smith was was a big time failure of a baseball coach hire. Herm Edwards, we've discussed that, you know, for hours and hours and hours. If you go back and you know count up all the minutes we've spent on that, but pretty pretty easy to call that one a failure. If you're being generous, you might give it a D, um, but probably it's an F. It, at best, it's a Tommy Callahan D plus. Um, if you're really feeling generous. Um, So, yeah, do you trust him? But as we've discussed with, you know, when we made the football hire and the change, like, why why is he still the AD if you don't trust him to make these decisions? And if he's not, who is? Like, who is making these decisions? Is Ray Anderson? Is Michael Crow? Because I sure don't really want him directly making these decisions. Yeah, I mean, I think the answer is we haven't had any – scandals in the athletic department overall like we've had a recruiting scandal but we haven't had a shooting no. or a stabbing <laughs> no, that's true. yeah which we've had yeah. before yeah which yeah. we've had before and which are happening all over the place you and know? some other places that's true yeah and, you know, yeah and we aren't having that so i guess it's you know between that and building the hockey arena and building these Olympic sports, it's, you know, that's enough for, for him. I, I think it, that it we've had a lack yeah. of fan engagement, a lack of booster stuff. We, we whiffed on the NIL for two yeah. years. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, but yeah, all I mean, of that seems to is. be forgiven. Yeah. You know, so you just say, okay, well, I guess he's going to be the guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. It just it just seems like I mean, and again, I'm not I'm not as involved, certainly, you know, in my work, but even in, in my mind as I used to be. I don't I couldn't speak to the strength of the golf and the tennis and the swimming and diving and those t- those programs. I honestly don't know. I know men's golf was good last year. They made the NCAA final. Uh, women's golf made the you know the final eight. You know that's great, um, but I don't know. But I look at I look at baseball, I look at women's basketball, I look at men's basketball, and I look at football as, you know, the four, you know, flagship sports, and none of them are really in good shape. We're, there's hope for Dillingham, but it's all hope right now. We don't we don't know. There's no proof that that's going to work out. Um, and, and the other three are either treading water or not even treading water, <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and it's like... And, and yet you're, you know, and I think we've talked about this. You, know, you put all this money into the hockey arena, and and that's nice, but what? but are there uh, other I mean, better places for those resources that would be more meaningful to the fan base? I sure think so. Yeah, yeah I, I do. Uh, I, you know, again, I, I I just continue to sort of question. Like, we built this arena from scratch for the hockey team probably that money could have gone to making Wells Fargo arena better. And maybe you wouldn't have had to even spend as much. I don't know. I'm not a construction guy. So maybe that would have been harder to do, but it's like, man, it was, you know, it was right there for you and you could have made that better. And how long have we been hearing that? At least 19 years since we were freshmen in college that we've been, we got to do something about Wells Fargo. Something we got to get that better. We got to improve the arena and nothing's been done at all. The only mm-hmm. thing that was done was putting up walls with pictures of, 
you know, former players and, and, you know, athletes that played there. And then they took those down. Yeah. Uh, we made the uh, capacity smaller. Then we played yeah. Kansas. So we made the capacity <laughs> bigger. Right. And Which was dumb. Dumb, I think. I mean, a small decision, but you can't put it back. Once you take them down, you can't put them back. That's a black eye. And, but, you know, the only thing you tried to, like, okay, we're going to make it a little more intimate. We're going to make it a little bit more, you know, supply and demand type of thing. You know, uh, you know it's going to be harder to get in here and we're going to have a better program. And then you, you have just a, just a splash of a little bit of success. You beat Kansas and it's like, well, we're taking them down. And it's like, ah, why, man? Just stick with what you had. Make it, make it a, a hard ticket to get. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's like there's so many other like reno do something. It's probably one of the older conference facilities to not be so. renovated. With, like McHale no is older, updates. but it's been updated. Right, Maples right. is old, but it's been updated. Right, right. You know, you know Polly was Polly was overhauled completely. McHale has has seen a lot of improvements. Uh, you know, obviously USC's got a new place. Washington, Washington's got the new place, right? That's a new arena yeah. that, that they than they used to have. Oregon obviously got the new arena a few, you know, the last ten years. So yeah, I mean, you know, we're even in our own conference, which isn't a, again. We've talked about you know the basketball in this conference has backslid for the most part, uh, but even in our own conference, it's one of the worst arenas. Yeah. So and that's why I go is, back to what I said of you know. Is is Bobby Hurley's success rate here as good as we can expect? I hate to yeah. say that, but I, at this moment in time, it might be. Well, I mean, for the resources we've chosen to commit, yeah, it certainly feels that way. It does. You that's know? that. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, you know, like I don't think it's I don't think it's as good as we can expect for the rest of our lives. I'm not one of those people who's you know well, the best issue can ever be is a is a bubble team that goes to the NIT and, and no, but at this moment in time, with the athletic department being what it is, with the facilities being what they are for basketball, it might be. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure there's a coach out there. I don't know if we, you know, if we hired prime, you know. Prime Rick Pitino, eighty-five Mike Strzeski, that he could do better. Yeah, I mean that's to me that's the question is like, what else can you do, if anything, to put basketball on a better footing besides a coaching change? Because if it's going to cost you a million dollar buyout, eight hundred thousand dollar buyout, okay. What can we do with that eight hundred thousand dollars? Right. You know. Right. Yeah. No. That's a, that's true. And and is that just you know? It, I mean, it, this is an extreme analogy, a little, but is that just you know naming a new captain of the Titanic? Like the the, the boat's still headed for the iceberg. Uh, you know, I I don't. I hope it's not that bad. Obviously, I'm being a little uh, you know exaggerating, but but you know, like changing the coach just for the sake of changing the coach if you're not going to do something to support that coach better and you know, you and I have discussed it, the Herb Sendak years and the Hurley years, different paths, but kind of the same feel started out strong. Um, looked like there was great potential. 
kind of topped off and then backslid and then kind of floated. Like there's a lot of similarities and they're two very different style coaches, different style personalities. And so it's like, is it them or is it us? I think it might be us. Yeah. I mean, that's the takeaway really is that if this is the level of resource you're willing to commit, and you'd rather build the ho- you'd rather create a hockey program and then build a hockey arena than invest in renovating Wells Fargo. Yeah. Okay. That's- this might be what you're asking for. Yeah. Is is twenty wins and a likely NIT bid? The, yeah. You you know the proof is in the pudding of what you spend and what you dedicate and yeah it kind of feels like. Um, you know, like, and I had, I had a guy that I used to work with at the Cardinals. I met him a, a couple months ago. We were, we were, you know, just, you know, chatting a little bit. And he doesn't follow ASU that close. And he, he asked me like, whose idea was it to make the hockey, you know, program D1 and do all this. And it was after I left. So I don't know the answer, but I've, I've been, that question has tripped me up since he said it. Like we've almost kind of just like taken it as like, Oh, this great thing. We're going to make hockey D1 and we're going to, you know, and it's like, it sounds good, but again, as we've discussed over the length of this call, like maybe that could have gone somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we when we're a place that has limited financial resources, and we do, we're not we're not Oregon, we're not Alabama, we're not Ohio State. Well, um, you've created a you know a dozen or more new scholarship requirements that yeah, you have to match. Yeah, and, and and in the name of what? And I know we've talked about this before, but it's like. If the, if the hockey team wins a national championship, which, you know, would be a big leap, that's a – it's like the softball team winning a title. be cool, but overall, grand scheme of things here in the Phoenix market, it's, a, it's barely a ripple in the pond. Mm-hmm. But if the, college, if the ASU basketball team made the Final Four, that'd be a big deal. It, it would be a huge deal. I'm not saying we'd become the biggest thing in town. This is still a pro sports market. But, but it would be a big deal. People would notice there'd be a, a, you know, a big reaction to that. And if the hockey team makes the Frozen Four or even wins the whole thing, it's going to be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. It'll be a note on the back of the sports section when the front yeah. page story is baseball eliminated from conference yeah. tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, it'll be, again, a lot like softball. Softball won a couple national titles and, you know, since we've been here and and it's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, good, good, good stuff. You know, way to go. Pat on the back. And by, a, you know, 48 hours later, most people have forgotten it happened. That would, I think, be the same thing with, with ASU hockey. It'd be like, oh, that's cool, man. Uh, you know, and the people who follow it real close, diehards, would would love it. You know, but uh, again, I just, uh, like I said, that, that question, as simple a question as it was, has like lingered in my brain now for about two months. Like, yeah, whose idea was it? And why? Why did we do that? Could we have maybe reevaluated that at the time? It's too late now. But mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't have a good answer. Yeah. And 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 sharing that arena with the Coyotes, and then the Coyotes turn themselves into basically a D one hockey team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then of course, as we've talked about, you know, here in a couple months, we have this you know proposal that's up for vote for the Coyotes' new arena, which is very tenuous whether or not it's going to pass but if it does it feels like they're going to move the basketball programs there which is just a death sentence as far as i'm concerned i mean 
it, it's just a it's it's um, turning us into St. John's or Georgetown. We'll be a tenant in a major arena off campus, and you don't want to be St. John's or Georgetown. I don't believe. Look at what they've done the last thirty years. It's pretty ugly, yeah. and I just I think it's a disaster in the making. Yeah, I agree. But I think it's going to happen if that arena passes. And as a Tempe resident, part of me wants to vote against it just for that. Because I don't, I just don't want that. I think it's an awful outcome for ASU. And you know, this is a, a podcast that encourages civic engagement. So you should go vote. <laughs> I mean, I am going to vote in it. I haven't decided now. In classic, and I don't know if it's their fault, but. You know, classic Coyotes fashion. You have to you have to vote yes on three different uh, propositions, or why I think they're called propositions. Three different ballot initiatives have to pass for this thing to pass. So if two of them pass, it still fails. If there's if there's ever been a classic Coyotes, that's it. Make it hard for people to say yes. That's that's pretty much how it goes. So I don't know if it's going to. There's not. You know, they don't have a lot of goodwill here in the state or the city in general the team stinks they're you know they're more known for you know trading for guys who are retired for three years so they can meet the salary floor um you know so i don't know and and as much as i kind of enjoy hockey and wouldn't mind having a hockey team a lot closer than glendale that is actually you know affordable because it's not a four thousand seat arena um i don't know man i'm not sure i'm on board with it well and also I don't know enough because it's not impacting me personally. Sure, sure. But what is the commitment of the team and the NHL to keeping a team in Phoenix? Because well, if we sure build seems this, the then, NHL is bound and determined to keep a team in Phoenix. Uh, but because I'm, I'm just saying, if, we, if you if you pony up the dough and and the space to build this arena. And they leave. It's not like the Suns are going to move in. No, no, that's true. Yeah. Like you'll host high school wrestling championships there, I guess. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. I mean, I would think that with that would come a, I don't know, 30 year lease or something like that. And it would be, you know, but uh, you know, if you're, if you're a non, well, if you're a fan, but also if you're a non hockey fan, if you're just an average Joe, like, do you really think that arena, it may keep the team here, but are they going to actually start to spend and try to get good? Yeah. I think that's an open question. And, and if you're an ASU supporter, I just, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm willing to change my mind. There are things in sports that I have changed my mind on that. I've thought that's a horrible idea. And now I think that's pretty good or vice versa. Things I used to like that as time has gone on, it's like, "Eh, no, I don't, I don't think so. So maybe somebody can convince me that ASU basketball programs moving there is a good idea, but it's going to take a lot. Well, I, like, let's look at baseball so. moving off campus. Has it done wonders for the student engagement? With not at all, you know, not at all. And that's you're 100 percent right. I mean, there's a perfect example right there. Now, there's other problems with the baseball program beyond just where they play, but but yeah, I mean, you know, like since they've moved, we've not hosted a regional, obviously not hosted a super regional, not sniffed the college world series. I don't think we've even been in a super regional since the team has yeah. moved. So yeah, it's, I mean, uh, again, that's not all because of the facility, uh, you know, but it's, it's part of it. And, and fan investment, I feel like is less. Now that goes hand in hand with not being good. 
So it's kind of a chicken and egg thing, you know. As fan yeah, but you also aren't team isn't good. You but, also aren't good and not at Packard. So right, right. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I mean, I know that you know. Again, we just talked about it. Wells Fargo's got problems. It's it's old. It's run down. There's not a unlike Packard. There's not a ton of great history. Packard, you can make the, you know, oh, man, there's great history. Like, there's not a ton of great moments for the basketball program at Wells Fargo, Desert Financial, whatever it's been well, called. I, but, but I guess my point is, you already have a tenuous program that yeah. people people do the Phoenix thing and they tune out. Yes. You know? Yes. So it's like, okay. So they, you know, now you're going to move them so that attendance, never your strong suit before, uh, just craters is my guess. Yeah. And even if it doesn't, like, let's say you get the same amount of people that you average at Wells Fargo, you're going to get it in an 18,000 seat place probably instead of 14. So it's going to feel emptier. You know, if you get 9,000 people in a 14,000 place, it's like, "Eh, yeah, that doesn't look too bad. But if you get nine and an 18, like, wow, there's a lot of empty seats there. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I mean, that's where I was going was like, I know, you know, the arena doesn't have a lot of great vibes, but it's still ours. It's, it's, it's our broken down house. You know, we should try to fix it up. We should try to do better with it, but it's still ours. We, you know, we raised our kids there type of deal. Um, well, and it's also, and, it's, there is value. Maybe I'm nuts. Maybe. But there is value to, I finished class, my car is here, it's Thursday, I'm going to go eat at the chuck box and catch a game. Totally. You know? uh, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, you're going to make it harder on students to attend games. There, There is no way around that. I don't see how you could argue that. Now, you can tell me that the program's going to be better because of this and students are going to want to attend games because it's going to be maybe. I mean, if you're super optimistic, I guess that's true. But it absolutely is hard. I mean, when we lived on campus, and I know not a ton of kids live on campus. You know, uh, it's, it's a huge school. A bunch of people live off campus. But, but, but a bunch of people do live on campus or within walking right, distance of campus. Like, right, right. You know, all those apartments on university are walking distance to the arena. They yeah. won't be if that arena's by the Cardinals complex. Right. You know? Right. You know, so I, I just um yeah, totally. I, I agree. You're going to make it harder with a with a student fan base that's already mostly apathetic. Um now you're gonna make them drive there. You're probably gonna charge them to park. You know, yeah. like I mean you're not gonna make it easy. You know, I'm sure they'll oh well if you ride the light rail and like, okay, that's that's awesome. But you know, let's also account for the fact that the light rail doesn't run that much at night. So you're going to want to leave games at nine o'clock and you're going to have to wait, you know, 20 or 30 minutes for a light rail. And it's not always the greatest societal element that's on the light rail at night. You know, like there's there's things that must be considered in terms of like, uh, oh, it's going to be fine. They can take the light rail there. Like, all right. But will they? Not sure. Yeah. It's one of those things where if if the city of Tempe is going to invest in the infrastructure plan, not just the arena, but the plan mm-hmm. to connect the campus to the arena and to connect the students to resources to get them there that isn't Mill Avenue bars running party buses to and from the arena for ticket holders. Right. 
you know, then it could work. But if it's if our thought process has only taken us so far as, well, it'll be a better facility that we don't have to pay for. That yeah, let's just pay for a better facility. Like which that's what campus. it seems to be. I mean, I you know that's it comes back to having a president who doesn't really value athletics and instead values real estate. And and I'm sure he's drooling over the thought of you know being able to demolish that arena and sell that land for hotels and commercial development right by the new football stadium and and make tons of money off it. And I, and I I think that's the first priority for him always is you know making money and and not really doing it by virtue of athletic success. Yeah. I mean we've discussed that a ton over the years that it just doesn't. He's gone from being openly hostile towards athletics to kind of just being neutral. But well, deep in his heart, I don't think he cares about the athletic success of, of ASU. Well, more than that, it's he – when you start openly hostile and you break the foundation <clears throat> and then you say, well, you know what? Do whatever you want. You already broke the foundation. The, <laughs> right, right, this right, is yeah. the, you know, this is some of my political views coming, but, you know, it's like when you have a party who is obstructionist and then says, well, government's broken. It's like, well, if you keep voting no and don't want to try to compromise, then yeah, of course it's yeah. broken. Like, yeah. you're, it's a yeah. self fulfilling prophecy. Same with this. It's like, see, I told you that athletics wasn't going to save us financially. It's like, yeah, because you set them up to fail, right? You know, no, you're, you're exactly right. Yeah, when you when you uh, give a you know a fifty percent effort, you can't expect a hundred percent success, and it, and it seems like he just kind of gives the bare minimum sort of effort, and and you know goes through the motions and goes to the press conferences when we hire a new coach and says, you know, we know that football is important here, like. Yeah, but actions speak louder than words. Well, and, and your, the, the your answer actions is, don't back that up. Well, and, and I think part of the answer is who was the loudest voice among the school presidents in support of Larry Scott, in support of the San Francisco office, in support of the Pac-12 network? It was him. It was. It was. He's a, probably a huge reason why the Pac-12 is in the position it's in right now, having backslid because he supported Larry Scott. He supported the moves that have caused the slide into partial, if not complete, irrelevance for the Pac-12. Yeah. And... and yeah, he just he's not he's not athletic minded and not many a lot of presidents aren't. I mean, you know, like that's true. A lot of presidents, obviously, they don't come from athletic backgrounds. But I think a lot of them realize if you're the president of the University of Michigan, you have to realize how important the football program is. If you don't, they'll ride you out of town. You know, so so you've got to if you're I mean, remember the famous, you know, Gordon Gee, you know, when Jim Trussell was in trouble and he, you know, like, I'll be lucky if he, you know, he doesn't fire me. And there was more truth to that. It was a joke, but it wasn't really a joke. Um, but at ASU, that doesn't work that way. We don't have that sort of influence when it comes to athletics. You need a president that will support it. And, and he doesn't. I just ultimately don't think he he cares. No. I think he'd be, we talked about this before, I think he'd be happy if the football program was a consistent eight and four. So, you know, you didn't have to fire the coach. Fans were in the stands. Um, you know, it wasn't bad, but I don't think he really wants the football program to be a, an 11 and one national title contender type program because that just brings more, you know, 
uh, pressure to continue to invest in and continue to, you know, spend more money on assistance and facilities. And like, I don't think he's really interested in that. Yeah, I agree. Well, look, we, we were talking about basketball and we wound up really dissecting the state of the program and the state of the, it exposes uh, the whole athletic department in a way. And I think it, I think you kind of have to. I think it's probably not fair to Bobby Hurley and maybe Herb Sendick before him to talk basketball in isolation without the the discussion of all of the athletic department ills. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I think Michael Crow hates sports. I, I think that's the takeaway. I think he's apathetic about them at the very least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I you know I think. I think in a way, I mean, you know, it'll, I'm not saying this, but I think in a way if he could, you know, make it where like we just, um, you know, just had like club sports and like the old days before scholarships and, you know, like I think he'd be on board with that. Like it's a nice extracurricular activity for the students, right? But that's, mm-hmm. that's not what college sports is anymore if you're going to be competitive at the highest level. Yeah, for sure. Well, look, we'll be back. We'll talk about how ASU did in the Pac-12 tournament. Probably not going to go great. We'll talk about if they make the NCAA (laughs) tournament. Probably won't. Probably Uh, not. Probably (laughs) not. But we'll we'll reconvene and see what happens in seven days. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben Matt Sportscast.